Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. The verse there in your handout that says, God has created us for a life of good deeds, which is already prepared for us to do. And that man did a lot of good deeds, and his words are still living on today. Uh, We're talking in this series about making a difference with our life, and I think most people want to make a difference with their life, and they say, well, you know, if, if this big thing would change, or if this would happen, then I could make a difference with my life. But we've, we've said that it's often the small things done faithfully that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. Let's say that again. It's often the small things done faithfully that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. We said uh, in review, we said your thoughts become your what? Your words. Your words become your actions, your actions become your habits, your habits become your character, and your character makes a difference. Your character is who you are, but it all starts with a thought. So we talked about that last week. Today we're going to talk about that thought, the word picture in our mind, being translated into words. Have you ever noticed that it seems like that almost everybody has something to say? Isn't that true? Uh, they have average of 30 conversations a day, they say. One-fifth of our life is spent in talking. Everybody, in one year of their life, they have enough conversations that they could fill up 66 books with 800 pages in every book. And I know some of you think, mm, I know somebody who could do double that. And some of you are thinking, I know somebody who would have a Reader's Digest. They wouldn't even be able to do that. They say and I've checked this, and I was confronted in the last half of the service, but we did diligent research again, and uh, they say that the average man speaks 20,000 words a day. Uh, I don't think I do, but I know some of you, like Vance, does 50,000 words, and so you make up for all the rest of us, right? (laughs) The average woman, they say, speaks 30,000 words a day. It's like the one man said to the other, do you resent that your wife always has to have the last word? He replied, no, I'm just glad she finally gets around to it. (laughs) Some of us are born with silver, silver feet in our mouth. We always say the wrong thing, right? Anybody besides me ever find yourself saying the wrong thing? It's like the stock boy that was working in the produce of a, of a grocery store, and the lady came up to him and said, young man, I want a half a head of lettuce. Take this, and I only want a half a head. So he takes it back to the produce manager. He didn't know she was following him. He said, you won't believe this. There's some old bag up there that wants a half a head of lettuce. And he turned around and saw her, and he said, and this lovely woman would like to buy the other half. <laughs> wow. Words, words. Nobody talked more about words in the Bible than James. Look at uh, chapter 3 there in your notes in the message. It says, a bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain 
sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of the mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything, accomplish nearly anything, or do what? Destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By your speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony into chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it, and smoke right from the pit of hell. Wow. My life and your life, this is the fill-in, my life and your life will move in the direction of my words. We said last week that our thoughts direct our life, but really our life, those words, those thoughts become words, and then those words literally direct our life. If you want to change the life that you're living, we have to learn to change the words we're speaking. It's interesting, these verses that, uh, that maybe that have never really had an impact on us. Look at these verses. Proverbs 18, 21. Your words are so powerful that they can kill or give life, and the talkative person will reap the consequences. In other words, what the writer is saying, there are life-giving words and there are life-taking words. Where do you fit on that? Do you speak more life-giving words or do you speak life-taking words? Proverbs 12 and 18 says, reckless words are like the thrust of a sword, cutting remarks meant to stab and to hurt, but the words of the wise soothe and heal. Do you ever feel like you've ever been stabbed by words? And I mean, they created, uh, they, some of you, when I said that a few minutes ago, you went all the way back to childhood. You remember some of the words that were said like, I wish I'd never had you. I wish you'd never been born. You, you, you're just like your dad. You're just like your mom. You're just like somebody else. And those words, and some of you maybe have come through life and an employer told you, you're a, you're a terrible employee. You'll never make it. Or somebody said, you'll never get ahead. And that, that wound is there. And it's hard to, to get that. But then there are words that are like soothing healing. Somebody calls you up and says, I, I don't know why. But you came to my mind today, and I was just thinking about what a great person you are, and I just wanted to tell you how great you are. And then you'll say, wow, I needed that. Ever, anybody had that? Had somebody speak those healing words? So I want us to take an inventory today of our words. Last week, we did one on our thoughts, a little test. Today, we want to look at our words. There in your notes, it's two categories, life-taking words or life-giving words. Let's think about, first of all, before you circle anything, let me explain. Let's think about the words that we speak to others, to others, to others. Our husband, our wife, our kids, our employees, our workers, our friends. And these are not only words that we speak with the lips, but we also do with the fingertips on social media. People can do the same thing, right? Same, very same thing. Are you a person who speaks a lot of life taking words such as like this you didn't do a very good job you're a really bad employee why is your room always a mess I can't stand and then they fill in the blank about you you always leave the toilet lid up you're pathetic you drive me crazy you drive me nuts you know I wish I'd never married you I wish I'd never had you and whatever so those are life taking words. Or 
Do you speak more life-giving words to people like this? I'm so proud of you. You know what? You're the best husband in the world. I want you to know I thank God for you. Man, that was an incredible meal you did. Wow, you're doing a great job. You're an, you're an incredible employee. I'm so glad I hired you. So on that continuum, are you more of life-taking words or life-giving words? Would you circle the one on that that best fits you? Uh, to thine own self, be true. You don't have to turn in. This is homework. But you need to take an inventory of this if we're going to do better in life. So are, where are you on that? And then let's look at when we talk about to ourselves. Do you speak to yourself with more life-taking words like this? Man, you're going to blow this thing. You're so bad. You always do this. It's going to be a tough day. I'm so tired. I'm always tired. I'm so far in debt, I'll never get it. I'll never own a house. Nobody will ever love me. Nobody will ever marry me. Things never work out for me. I never get those breaks. Some of you, that's how, that's how you speak to yourself. Or do you speak life-giving words like, you know what? God is with me. God is going to bless me. I'm so thankful for this day. It's going to be a great day because with Christ, I can do whatever he wants me to do. So on the continuum, how do you speak to yourself? Do you speak yourself to the words that are life-taking or life-giving? I did a little research this week, and in those two categories, or you could say words of death or words of life, and I came up with some words that you find in the Bible that are the antithesis of each other. For instance, words of death is angry. You, you can take a screenshot of this if you want. Uh, angry. And the other is gracious. Are you more complaining or are you more uplifting? With your words, are you more harsh or are you more tender? Are you more resentful or are you more kind? Are you more negative or are you more positive? Are you very, are more judgmental or more compassionate? Are you more gossiping or giving blessing? Are you more critical or encouraging? And most of us would give an argument that, oh yeah, man, I'm, 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 I'm on that category of words of life. You know, and we, we'd make our case, and then we'd say, except for two or three people that just drive me insane, and words come out of my mouth that I don't even like to have. Where are you on this continuum? You've got to be honest. But if you really want to be serious, ask the people in your car when you're riding home. And just say, hey, I, I'm, I'm giving you a get-out-of-free-jail card, all right? I just want you to be honest with me. Because, you know, we can, see, we can see negativity and we can see killing words in a lot of other people, but sometimes we don't even see them in ourselves. So be honest with somebody and say, you know, where do, where do you see me on, on this area? So let me help you with some things. How do we do this? First of all, we need to manage your mouth. Say, manage your mouth. Look at your neighbor and say, manage it. Sometimes we're shocked at what comes out of our mouth. And some of you say, you know what? I've been trying to deal with my mouth for so long. I know I speak bad to my husband. I know I speak bad to my wife. And I don't want to do that. You know, we all have, we always have great makeup sex, but yet it still comes back around. And we, we say these horrible things to each other. I slid that right in. Some of you went right over your head, didn't it? 
Somebody woke up. What did he say? <laughs> but in all honesty, you know, we, we'd like to do better with our words. And, uh, and, but then we excuse it away and say, well, that's just how I am. That's my personality, my temperament. I'm Italian. I'm, uh, I- I'm Irish. I'm German. I'm Flappadoza, whatever it is, in the midst of all of that. So it just excuses away, right? No, the Word says that doesn't excuse it away. So how do I manage my mouth? Here's a first place to start. I've got to be intentional in guarding my heart. I've got to be intentional in guarding my heart because Jesus said, your words come from your heart. Luke 6 and 45, what you say flows from what is in your heart. Let me be around you for a little while on day-to-day activities, not on the bubble of church. We all come into church and we put on our Jesus words, right? Oh, I'm so good to see you. So good to see you. Thank God. God is wonderful, isn't it? I just love everybody so much. But let me follow you to the gym. Let me follow you to your work. Let me follow you around. Let me hear your words. Because what comes out of your mouth will tell me what you've allowed to be in your heart. And until you change that, unless you change, change what you put in your heart through the eye gate, what you're watching, and your ear gate, what you hear, you'll never be able to change that. Proverbs 4 and 23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So my question today is that what are you allowing, what are you allowing in your ears and in your eyes? I was talking to a parent this week, and they said, you know, I took my children to a, a movie, supposed to be a PG-13, but said that as the movie started, the language in there was so uncomfortable, I got up and left and said, I just, I got to thinking that, well, am I, am I, am I too legalistic? Is this wrong? But said, you know, but, but what happens is, you ever notice how it used to be that our heart was so sensitive to hear vile language and see things on TV And then we say, it's just entertainment. It's just entertainment. Is it really? Is it really? Because you see, here's what we'll find. We'll find people say, well, why would you walk out? Why would you pay good money and walk out on a movie? Because it's important what I put in my heart. And it's what we allow to come into our kids' heart. Some of the things that we allow them to listen to, some of the things we allow them to watch, because at school, they're bombarded, and then they begin to think, because they see it on your TV, because they hear some of you say it from your mouth, and you're a Christ follower, they think, oh, that's okay. No, listen, what's in the heart will come out of your words. And until we are able to handle what's in our heart, we're never going to be able to change that. We have to be able to do that. So here's something else. If you can't say something helpful, skip it. Your mother used to say, don't say it, right? Ephesians 4 and 29, and never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others to do this by speaking words of grace to them. Some of you are like sledgehammers. You just swing away with your words, and you have a relational rubble everywhere you go. There's another area that we need to take a look at, and it's the area where words are used, social media is used, and it's called gossip and slander. Proverbs 16 and 28 says, 
A twisted person. Say a twisted person. A twisted person spreads rumors. A whisper, whispering gossip ruins good friendships. Someone says, you know, what is, what is, what is gossip? Well, the biblical definition of gossip is this, a whisper. Someone who says something without the person being in the presence. So people say, well, yeah, I, this is, this is, a, but if they were here, I'd say it. But they're not there. And you just said it. So you're a gossiper. You're a gossiper. You notice how people do that on social media? Oh, I can't believe people treat me so wrong. And so, so it's no different than that. And then we have people that have, you know, there's such a thing as gossiping ears. There is gossiping ears. Some of you are saying, I don't know why. I don't know why, but people tell me all the dirty things, all the bad things. You know why? You have gossiping ears. You're the person on social media when somebody posts, I can't believe you treat me like this. I can't believe, you know, you think you have friends and you say, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? You want to know? It's, it's like those, it's like, I, I love prayer and I love prayer chains, but it's like those prayer chains that you want to let people know that you know something dirty and bad about somebody else. I'm telling you, we need to pray for Thomas. Now, I can't tell you what happened. I can't tell you what his wife said, but I'll tell you. And so after a while, he said, are you sure you can't? Well, I'll tell you, but don't you tell anybody else. I'll tell you. And so then it becomes that whole thing, and then we are a gossiper. But God hates gossip. If you check in Romans chapter 1, he lists gossiper with a murderer. Some of you are very judgmental when you see people that are murderer or they're convicted this or a DUI or something else. But in that list of Romans 1, he lists gossipers and he says, I hate them with the equality that I hate a murderer. Proverbs 17 and 4, if you, if you doubted me saying that there's gossiping ears, look at this. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Gossip. Negative talk. Gossip. I've been doing this uh, church gig for about 52 years, and I've seen uh, gossip and negativity destroy a lot of churches. A lot of them start in life groups, small groups. A lot of them start with friendships. And so people start saying, well, you know, I just can't believe what they do at church. I just can't believe the pastor. I just can't believe that youth, that youth guy. I just can't, and I, I can't believe I can't believe Andrea. I just, and then people start talking back and forth. Now, you've just gossiped because they're not there. They're not there. And, and, and you've taken upon yourself that you just think that's, that's okay. Do you realize that the church is the bride of Christ? Let me say this. If you see something wrong, something out of order, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you have to, man, people get up. Oh, Terry, come on, stay straight. Stay, yes, yes, I will. I'm talking to myself, okay? <laughs> Encourage yourself in the Lord. Don't get caught down in that rabbit hole. Yes, thank you. I won't. Keep going. Keep going. I will. <sighs> it's really important what we say. The church is called the bride of Christ. Now, if you see something wrong, something that you want to ask a question about, you know there's a difference in questioning and asking a question. If you see something you want to ask a question about, you go up with that. You don't go sideways. 
You don't say to somebody, well, what do you think about this? What do you, what do you think? Or you don't go down and, and talk about it there, but you take it up. You take it to your life group leader. If, if that doesn't work, you take it to the uh, uh, coordinator, the overseer over that. If you don't take that and we take it somewhere else, you keep taking it up, not take it down. You see, where division happens is when we start taking it sideways and we become part of something that God hates right in the middle. And, and, and remember, this church, as well as the other churches, the big C, is the bride of Christ. What do you think about Jesus when he hears you with gossip and slander? Now, I'm not talking... The Father's house, overall, we're a very positive church. We don't have a lot of gossiping, almost. We got a few people, but you know, that comes with the territory, all right? But, but I'm just saying, that's a, but for, for people that, to, to question his bride and, and just talk about it, never talk about good. That's like, if you want to get on my bad side... You, you, you complain about me, that's fine, I'll get over it. I'm a big boy, I put my big panties on and I do good. Oh, but if you start gossiping and slander my wife, there's a different part of me that's coming out. Years ago, and I've always dealt that except years ago, I, I, let, this, um, I, I let something really bad happen. Uh, somebody that was on staff yelled at Anita and called her a liar. And I regret that I didn't say back in retrospect, now I was compassionate and gracious, but that day, I should have said, pack your bags. You're out of here. You don't fit at the Father's house. It would have saved me a lot of regret later, but I didn't do it. But I'm going to tell you, I wonder how many times that Jesus feels that way when we're always negative and slandering about his church. Listen, I always say to people, if you don't like a church, if that's who the church is, and you want to try to change the church to be something else, there are a lot of other great... I pray with pastors in this city. There's a lot of great churches. People say, well, you don't have Bible studies. I like Bible studies. We do Bible studies through life groups. And you say, but I want a, I want a Bible study. Well, go to Cliff's at First Baptist. He's got some great Bible studies. Go to some of the others. They've got great Bible studies. We don't do it like that. We do it through life groups because we believe life is better together, all right? So let's be careful with our words. Here's something else. If you think something good, then say it. The Bible says nothing is more. It got quiet in here, all right? <laughs> tap, tap your neighbor and make sure they're okay. Say it's okay. If Terry offended you, you've got to forgive him, okay? All right. Right? Thank you. It's one thing to encourage myself, but every once in a while I need you to encourage me. Nothing is more appealing than speaking beautiful, life-giving words, Proverbs 16, 24. For they release sweetness to your souls and inner healing in your spirit. Wow. Sometimes it's not only what you speak to others, but it's what you speak to yourself. Remember where it said that David encouraged himself in the Lord? So we want to do that. We want to say those good words. And then say what you want to see. Say what you want to see. Not what you don't want to see. I'm not talking about fluff of name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. But I'm talking about saying what you want to see. If you want to have a great marriage, you've got to start talking that way. If you want to have got great kids, you've got to start talking about how great your kids are. If you want to, if you want to see that your business flourish, you've got to start talking about how great your business is. Not a bunch of sorry employees that you have that are never good in any time, but you just say, man, I've got a great business. This is a great place where people want to come. It's going to grow. It's going to flourish. It's not going to get worse. It's going to get better because I'm, king, I'm the king's kid and I'm part of his, his, I'm part of his, uh, his posse, right? Listen, 
I don't know where that came from. I hope that's all right. It's trouble when, you, when you're as old as I am and you use something like that. I, I, I hope that fits okay. Jesus said, speak to the mountain. He didn't say, talk about the mountain. I speak to my marriage. I speak to my kids, my grandkids. I speak words over this church every day when I come in. I speak words over you. I don't talk about you. I speak words about you. Let me tell you a phrase. If you'll add this to your words, your conversation, I promise you it'll change your life. If you add this one phrase to your life, I promise me, promise you five years from now, you'll say to me, you know when you gave me that phrase? When you gave me that phrase, it has changed my life. Here's the phrase, and that's the way I want it. Say it with me. And that's the way I want it. Say it again. And that's the way I want it. You say, well, how would that work? For instance, in your marriage. I'm so sick and tired of this marriage, and that's the way I want it. We're going to probably end in divorce, and that's the way that I want it. You never listen to me, and that's the way I want it. You get on my nerves, and that's the way that I want it. I wish I'd never married you, and that's the way that I want it. Do you see how that plays out? Then all of a sudden, you're realizing what you say. Or it's saying like this, my marriage isn't going so well right now, but I am surrendering my heart to the Lord, and I love my spouse as Christ loved the church, and I believe that God will heal my marriage, and it'll be a great marriage, and that's the way that I want it. That's the way that I want it. Or maybe talking about yourself. Well, I'm pathetic, and that's the way I want it. I'll never make a difference, and that's the way I want it. I'll never get ahead, and that's the way I want it. I'll never have good employees, and that's the way that I want it. My life is always going to suck, and that's the way that I want it. Right? We're saying, we're saying. So I know we're in debt right now. And I know that we're going to have to live below our means, and we're going to be a faithful tither and a giver, and we're going to get out of debt so we can live a generous life, and that's the way that I want it. That's the way that I want it. Give the Lord a hand clap if you've got that. Now, let me help you with some words you need to speak over your life. You say, well, how can I do that? Get up in the morning, and before you check social media, there's a little handout in there speaking God's word over my life. Before you do anything else, say words like this over yourself. These are scriptures. These are not idle things. I live as a child of God today, and the evil one cannot touch me. And there's the verses. I am not condemned by my sin today, but I've been set free by God's grace, Romans 8. I have plenty of God's grace to give people today because of the grace that God has given me, 1 John 2 and 21. I'm going to make a difference today because God prepared in advance the work he has for me to do. Today, God has a plan for me. Today, I'll add value to somebody's life, Ephesians 2 and 10. Today, I'm not anxious, worried, or weighed down. I can't Cast all my burdens on the Lord, for he cares for me, 1 Peter 5 and 7. Today I'm not afraid or weak. I don't have the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline, 2 Timothy 1 and 7. Today I'm not discouraged or defeated. The joy of the Lord is my strength, and I give thanks in all circumstances, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Wow, and that's the way I want it. That's the way I want it. Now, that's just a simple thing, but let me share with you in the lobby, in the foyer, there's a whole page that says what God says about you, and there's like three pages, according to scriptures, of what God says about you, and you can add those to your arsenal. Or there's another one, get your words worth, 
And it's the same thing of confessing God's word over you. And also, this little book here, the Bible Promise Book, if you're struggling with an area, it's just by subject, loving God, long life, joy, hope, happiness, guilt, guidance, gossip. Oh, there's gossip. Fruitfulness, food and clothing, forgiveness, God's faithfulness. Sometimes we talk about praying God's word back to him. That's praying his word over us. And we say, I just wish I knew how to do that. Just get one of these, um, three bucks. And for whatever area you're doing, you just use that and say, pray that scripture back to God. Do you understand that? Does that make sense? Because here's what I know. Your thoughts matter because your thoughts become your words. Your words matter because they become your actions. Your actions matter because they become your habits. And your habits matter because what you repeatedly do, you become. Next week, I'm going to talk about habits. I'm going to talk about how to form good habitudes. I thought, that, I thought I came up with that word in the last service, but I looked on the dictionary, and it's actually a word, habitude. Happy habitude next week, okay? So we need to come back. So listen, we talked about, we talked about two weeks ago, let's find one word, not a bunch of New Year's resolutions, but one word that will drive our life. What one, what one thing do we want this week, this year for God to do? And then remember last week I said, what's one thought? Did you do that? Did, did you get a thought that you could ruminate over and over in your mind, meditate on that? Well, this week I'm going to ask you to add another layer to that. I'm going to ask you to say, what words, what phrase could you say to make sure that that word then becomes a reality? So in my journal, I have that, and I'm saying that, and I'm speaking that over myself every day. So I pray you do that. Because you see, you can t- one of two things that can happen. You can sit here today, and you can take notes and say, oh, that was kind of cute. That was fun. Did you hear what he said about that? Or you can say, you know what? Where does the Holy Spirit want to apply this to my life today. God spoke to me while I was teaching. He spoke to me about something in my life. Can you imagine that? As holy, as godly, as near to God I am, there's something in my life that God could say, you need to fine-tune this area. And so when God deals with us like that, as Anita said, we obey that. And we begin cooperating with him. You're not a loser. You're not a loser. You're not worthless. You've made mistakes. But he helps us learn how to fix those. Some decisions, Chris and I were talking about this between services. Some decisions that we made when we're in sin, we have to live the consequences of that. That's why it's important that we get our kids to summer camp. That's why we get our, need to get our kids in, in kids' city and get our kids in the youth service, especially they're getting ready to come up with something really, really good here in a couple of weeks of a study because we need to do that because if, if we reach somebody before we, you know, some of you are saying, you know, I, I wish I hadn't done this. I wish I hadn't done this. You know, I've got, I've got more kids than I know how to count. And, and I'm not even able to live with the kids that I have. I wish somebody had got to me a long time ago. Now, those consequences are never going to get over with. God will forgive you. He'll give you grace, and he'll help you. But the consequences we make of wrong decisions, and especially habitual wrong decisions, when you find yourself doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, and next week it's so critical that you're here because I'm going to talk about how to how to change those habits, how to change those habits.
Let's bow our heads. Father, we ask you today to help us. Help us, Lord, to guard our words. But we have to start with what's in our heart. And if what's in my heart is more of the world than you, then that's what's going to come out. As you continue to pray, there may be someone here today that you would simply say, you know what, Terry? Man, I've made some mistakes in my life. And I'm living with some regrets. And it's not an accident that you're here today. The Lord wants you to know he has do-overs, fresh starts, new beginnings. And the way that that happens is when we surrender our life and our heart to him. We let him be in control of our life, not ourselves. And if you've never invited Jesus into your heart and into your life, or maybe you did years ago, but you've wandered away from him, but you feel like today it's like a magnet that he's just drawing you back to him and saying, today's the day. And he's drawing you back with love, forgiveness, freshness. So in just a minute, I'm going to lead us in a prayer, a prayer of surrender of our life to Jesus. And if you need to rededicate your heart today to the Lord, or if you've never invited Jesus into your heart and believe that, and call upon him as your Savior, and you know you're lost today. You know you're lost. If you continue to go in the direction you are, you just, you just, you just find yourself just going around in circles. You're totally lost. And you'll always be lost without Jesus. Because there is a created vacuum that God, when he made you, put in your heart that only Jesus can fill. Fame can't. Money can't. Power can't. Only Jesus. So if you're here today as this church is silently praying, as they've been praying all week long for you, <clears throat> and you say, Terry, I, I, need to make a, I need to make a surrender to Jesus today with my life. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me today and say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Others today, just be very honest. Be very bold. Say, that's me. I need to do that today. Today's the day. And I know you're thinking about it. Your palms are sweaty. Your heart's beating a little faster. Just raise your hand. Maybe those of you that are watching online, make that known today. Today's the day that I want to rededicate surrender my heart to the Lord. Thank you back here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So brave today. So honest. So open. What have you got to lose? Continue in the misery that you're in. Today he's calling you. He's calling you home. Saying, behold, I stand at your heart's door and knock. He wants to come in. He wants to come in. Let me lead you in a prayer today. Let's pray this. Father God, thank you for loving me today. Thank you for dying for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are Lord, that you died for my sins, but you rose on the third day. So as best as I know how, I want to serve you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.
As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we'd love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.